It's been great, hasn't it, to see the many generous acts of people towards the Ukrainians in this terrible month of seeing war and suffering. We have a friend who lives in one of the border towns between Poland and Ukraine, and he was telling us that everybody he knows has a Ukrainian family living with them right now. People have just been willing, haven't they, to open their homes and to share. And I just want to thank you as a church for giving so generously to our Ukrainian fund. Uh, so far, you've given about £30,000. So with gift aid, that will be 35000 which is just amazing. And across our family of churches, New Frontiers, over £750,000 has been given, which will supply the needs of many in that area, uh, which is so devastated right now. It's a privilege, isn't it, to share and give. And that's what I want to talk to us, talk to you about today. You know, I have a number of grandkids and they're mainly under five. And in that stage of life, it's very difficult to share. Their initial kind of word is always, it's mine, it's mine. And so my son and his daughter have a little phrase that they use. They say, we share in this family. And they try and use that to diffuse the arguments and the squabbles. And it's working. Actually, our grandkids like kind of turn the tables on us now. So sometimes when we're around the table and maybe one of us is still eating a yummy dessert and they finish, they will turn to us and say, oh, Nanny, can I have a bit of your ice cream? We share in this family. And believers, we share in this family of God. That's what we're called to. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I mean, that started right in the beginning. In Acts 2, you see those first Christians sharing what they have. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and their possessions and they gave to those in need. And we're going to see that that is just what happened in the Antioch church that we've been following in this series. So let's turn to Acts chapter 11 verse 19. And we'll see, remember, they're a bit like the Ukrainians. They've been scattered. They're under persecution. They fled their homes, probably just carrying what they could. So they are not a church rich in resources. And this is what um, is said about them in Acts 11. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. And then down to verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread across the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So we see that in the Antioch church, in their story, sharing was part of what they did. 
And that's part of our story here at King's too. In fact, we sum up our mission with three words, reach, restore, and resource. And we believe God has called us to resource and support not just our local community, but beyond to other churches and other areas of the world. That can be in money, but it's also in sending people, in using our gifts, in using our resources to build and extend the kingdom of God. And today I wanna to talk about some of the principles that undergird that sharing of resources. And there are four words that I take from this passage in Acts 11. Prophetic, planned, proportional, and provision. And those are the four principles that I wanna talk about. Prophetic. Now, Antioch was a relatively new church. I'm sure they were busy just building up their own community. Uh, you know, rescuing people who were refugees in effect. So they didn't have a lot of resources, but they were still connected to the wider church. And a group of prophets came down and Agabus spoke about a famine that was to come. They heard the need and they responded to it. And you know, predictions about needs don't just come from the power of the Spirit, they come on the news, don't they? they? The Spirit uses all kinds of things to open our eyes to need. You know, I think when COVID hit, we set up the Hope Fund that helped families who were facing bereavement and difficulty in that season. We delivered hundreds of hot meals to people who were uh, in lockdown and vulnerable. We've set up the Ukrainian fund. We are commanded as a people to never forget the poor, to always have our eyes and, and ears open to need and to be on the front foot in responding to it. But we can't meet all the needs of all the world. And that's where the prophetic words help us to kind of target the areas that God wants us to respond to as a church and as individuals. For us as a church, we've had prophetic words and impulses that have helped us set up the Jericho Road project to provide housing to those who are vulnerable. We've uh, linked to churches in Zimbabwe and sent them money and resources and people and worked together with them on projects. And God has called us sometimes to focus our giving in a prophetic way. When Phil and Sarah uh, felt a new prophetic burden to go to Rotterdam and plant a church, we've got behind that with financial resources. And Steve, our senior pastor, in his role where he travels the world and is leading many uh, churches across new frontiers, uh, links us with their needs prophetically. But to meet those needs and respond to those challenges, we have to plan. And we see that the church in Antioch, they planned. You know, they heard the prediction about the famine and they decided to give, and they find out a way to give through Barnabas and Paul. And that's part of what we do, we plan. You know, the Bible does encourage spontaneous, cheerful, 
a willing giving, but there's also an encouragement to plan to give. In fact, that's really be the whole concept of tithing, preparing and planning to give 10% to God from the beginning, from the beginning of the month, from when you are paid, not just waiting till the end of the month and seeing, well, what's left in my bank account or on a Sunday? Uh, what have I got in my pockets? What have I got in my purse that I can give? No, we believe in intentional and planned giving. To give in that way though, you kind of have to be in control of your own finances. So at King's we try and help you do that. We run things like the CAP money course and the financial freedom course and we do annual stewardship seminars where we help people think about budgeting and saving and giving and planning. In fact, the next CAP course will run uh, probably May, June time. And, uh, you know, if you look on our website after Easter, you'll find all the details there. And we do that as a church. We have a whole team that also plans and budgets and works out our outgoings and our incoming uh, so that we can give, so that we can be a strong church that when a need arises, we have the resources to give intentionally. This is called stewardship. Sometimes people think that's a bit boring, but actually it's amazing how spreadsheets can be infused with faith when we respond to the prophetic words of God on us. So our plan here at King's every year is obviously we're going to cover our salaries and our bills, but we also, as a church, give away 10% of what you give to us. And that this year, that will be around 240,000 that we will give away in various ways. It won't just be for us as a church. We will support other churches. We will support historic uh, missionary links, people who've gone out uh, to spread the gospel. We will maintain key partnerships like with our, the churches in Zimbabwe and Phil and Sarah in Rotterdam. And we will give a chunk of money to support the Jericho Road project and our local social action uh, projects so that we serve our community well. Now, don't get confused when I talk about spreadsheets and planning and this is what we're going to do. This doesn't mean we're not planning out of faith. No, we are getting behind the prophetic words of God and we are acting in faith so that God will do above and beyond what we have planned. And we've seen that happen many times in our past. I mean, in the year 2000, when we were a small church of about 200, 250 people in a rundown building, uh, Steve Tibbet, our senior pastor, had a, a vision, a prophetic word to, to build a church of a thousand. And so we needed a bigger building. And there was a massive uh, building project, two million pound. People gave in faith. They gave generously and sacrificially, many double tithed. And then from there, the whole of the Catford site was redeveloped and we have an auditorium there that seats 500 now. But that's not the end result. The end result of giving is literally hundreds of people who since then have heard the word of God. 
of meetings that have multiplied, of sites that have been planted out because we gave and God gave the increase. Or what about in the year 2010 when we went for buying the Lee building? That cost us 3.5 million pounds. It was a massive amount. But again, there was a prophetic impulse to reach other areas of southeast London. People, again, gave generously and gave in faith. People double tithed. They gave beyond their normal giving and we were able to buy that building. But we still didn't know how we were gonna redevelop it and refurbish it. And then God miraculously brought the school alongside us. And for five years, a school was in our building. They also redeveloped and refurbished several floors and they poured 2.6 million into the building. So we gave in faith and God, did above and beyond all that we could plan and imagine. And that's the partnership that God calls us into when we plan to give generously. But how can we do that? You know, people often ask, do we tithe? What do we give? How much should we give? Well, at King's, we believe in proportional giving. And that comes out of scripture. And I would really encourage you to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 if you want to know more about this. But let me read to you some verses from 2 Corinthians 8, uh, beginning at e verse 11. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. This is Paul, our writing to them about a gift they had promised to give him. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What amazing promises for those of us that decide to give, to give out of what we have, not out of compulsion. William and I have tithed for decades, since we made our commitment to follow Jesus as Christians. Through times of difficulty and times of abundance, we have tried consistently to plan and to give a proportion of our income. We started with 10%. That's what we felt was a biblical principle. And then as God has blessed us, we have tried to increase our giving year by year. Every church we've attended has had a building project. And so many times we've given double tithes, a tithe to the church and a tithe to the building project. And that has been a discipline and it's been hard. And there's been times when we've made bad decisions financially and had to face the consequences and had to 
adjust our lifestyle so that we could continue to give to God's work. And he has always been faithful. We feel that tithing is a great biblical principle. You'll see it throughout the Old Testament. But we don't compel people to give a tithe. Paul doesn't. He could have in that passage, but he doesn't. He says, give what you've decided in your heart to give. And I think in the New Testament, there's a more nuanced approach because we're no longer under law. We're under grace. And God is looking for us to give sacrificially, generously from the heart. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees off once because they tithed in such minute detail that they even tithed their herbs, you know, that tidy little plant. But they found loopholes so that actually in their families, sometimes they didn't support elderly relatives who needed help. And we don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to have laws and rules and loopholes. We want to encourage you to give proportionally, give out of what you have, give from your heart. But of course, 10% is a pretty good starting place. It's a great guideline. It's a biblical guideline. But every person should decide in their heart what they should give. We don't want to pressure people either by being super spiritual and say, the more you give, God is going to give back to you. We don't want to uh, pressure people under legalism. You must give this and we're going to compel you. No, we want you to give intentionally, to plan, to give regularly, to put aside an amount every month for the house of God, for the family because we share in this family. If you wanna know more about giving, go to our website. There's a short video there where Steve speaks about some of these principles, or I would really recommend, uh, it's a very short book. It's called Money Counts by Graham Benyon, and it very simply expresses biblical principles about money that will help you and equip you as you plan to give. You know, the wonderful thing when we give is that we become a means of provision for others. And that's, that's God's economy, that he uses ordinary people to meet the needs of other people in the kingdom and in the world. You know, God himself is such a generous father and he wants us in his family to be generous. You know, I've got a friend who is really, really generous. I don't know if you know people like this, that when we go to her house for a meal, like the table is piled high with much more food than we could ever eat. Or if she comes around our house, she will always bring something to add into the meal. And the other day I was round her house. Actually, I was round there because someone in her family wasn't well. So I was visiting. We weren't eating and celebrating. But she, as I went to leave, she felt like she had to give me something. So she gave me some wonderful hand cream and some seeds to plant in my garden and some crisps for the journey. She couldn't resist being generous. And God calls us to be like that. 
to be generous people. When we see a need in our small group or uh, when we hear about something on the news or uh, we see something in our family of churches, to just have that heart and impulse that immediately says, what can I do? What can I give? How can I pray for this situation? You know, God will always outgive you. God is longing to bless you. He's not got a calculator and he's looking at what you give and then he's going to give you more. No, his heart is to bless you, to welcome you into his family, to forgive you, to love you, to enrich your life in every sense. But through giving, he also wants to protect you from the idol of wanting more for yourself, of money and all the ways it can entrap us. He wants to expand your heart so you are a generous child of God and he uses giving to do that. God has provided for us, hasn't he? He sent his only son into the world because he loved us so much and so generously. I mean, Paul wonderfully sums this up in 2 Corinthians 8 when he finishes the passage about giving and he, he says this, I am not commanding you, so I'm not commanding you to give, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Wow. Many of us, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? That he came to earth. He, he stood aside from the riches and the glory and the power of heaven and he made himself vulnerable. As a man on earth, he had very little possessions. You know, when he went to the cross, when he laid down his life, even his clothes were taken from him. He gave everything for us. He laid down his life for us, that we might come in his family, that we might be forgiven and cleansed and made new from the inside out and know the eternal, joyous, generous kingdom of God for ourselves. God has given you everything and he calls you to be part of a family that shares, that gives, that loves, that is generous. Let me pray that God will enable you to do that now. Lord, I just pray for everyone today that as we have heard that word, as we've seen the example of the church in Antioch and Corinth, that we will learn to share, to give generously. I pray for those who feel like they have nothing, that Lord God, you will show them how to plan, how to start, how to get in control of their own finances and have resources to be able to share. I pray, Lord God, you will prophetically speak to some and show us how to give and where to give and who to give to. And I pray, Lord God, you will expand our hearts that we will be known as a generous, faith-filled, giving church. 
oh God, multiply what, what we give, that we will be a provision to many in our community and far beyond, we pray. Amen.